3: you give them a blank check to fill out any amount they want for annual maintenance and assessment fees. Sound crazy? The crazy thing is, this never ends. Stop the insanity today. Call my office now. I guarantee if we can't cancel your timeshare contract, you'll pay nothing.
1: Were you lied to when buying a timeshare and want out? Get the facts about timeshare cancellation. Call Wesley now for your free information kit. 800-885-4884. 800-885-4884. 800-885-4884. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy.
4: This is the Cubs Related Podcast, presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. And we are coming to you on Monday evening, February 24th. And the Chicago Cubs have started to play baseball games out in Mesa, Arizona. And Brendan, there is just something that is right with the world when there is Chicago Cubs baseball, spring training or not, on a daily basis and we
0: got off to a fast start and Wilson Contreras Corey he is in mid-season home run celebration mode did you see that he's pointing at people already so that was good to see it got me pumped up
4: yes Wilson Contreras the first hit and first home run of the Cubs spring training slate. And that must and have gone like what I really liked about that one was he he knew he got it, obviously, because he killed it and busting it down the line right away. He's feeling it. A little bit too fast, in my opinion. You know, with that
0: hamstring, you know, calm down a little bit. It's the first day of spring training. Just you know, walk it off.
4: There's there's the Brendan that we all know and love. You have to, <laughs> he enjoyed have that to. home run for a moment, but then, you know, immediately <laughs> was like, Well, hold on a second now. Um but so we do have a lot to talk about. There there's some uh decisions being made already by Manager David who actually has yet to manage a game as he is uh feeling a little under the weather. So we send our, our well wishes. I, I hope Manager David is feeling better. Uh Andy Green stepping in as as he is uh an easy person to fill that role as he was just a major league manager this past season. Uh, but hopefully manager David is able to make his managerial debut for the Cubs sometime soon. Want him to feel better. Jose Quintana also a little under the weather. So hope he feels better as well. Got to uh, keep everybody, you know, away. We, we love when the guys hug and we talk about that stuff a lot, <laughs> you know, when they show affection for one another. But when they all start to get sick, it you know, then you kind of it's it's not so it's all fun and games. Brendan, until people start getting the flu, and we knew this would be a problem too. Everyone said Ross and the guys were too close. So this is what's going to happen, <laughs> right. you know. Right. This is this is the direct, uh, you know, Literally. function of that of, of yeah. Ross being too close with these guys, but. We will talk about these first three spring training games. We will talk about the upcoming slate, some things to look for, and I, I think uh, a good portion of this is just going to be those first impressions. We, we always talk about, and Jed Hoyer actually reiterated this uh, over the weekend. I think it might have been in, in, in an interview on the Marquee Network, which we will talk about a little bit as well, their debut, getting that channel off the ground. Jed Hoyer s- reiterated something that I've said on this podcast a lot, which w- because obviously he, li- you know, friend of the podcast, Jed Hoyer, he no, listens yeah, big- course yeah but that you know we will dig into this stuff we will give some first impressions we'll talk about our feelings for some of these things but it's just spring training you're facing a wide array of pitching talent hitting talent you are facing guys who are working on stuff not working on stuff so Nobody's reading too much into anything. We're just reacting as it's happening, but everything should be properly contextualized for you. But, Brendan, I do think that it is fitting that you guys are listening to this episode on Tuesday, February 25th, because it is the day of the debut of number 34, the left-hander, your boy, John Lester, who, Mm, if you guys are listening to this on Tuesday morning later this afternoon will be making his spring training and cactus league debut so i think that is very fitting that we can kind of get you in the right headspace for that and actually when he was throwing live BP, I think it was last week, John said something similar to Jed Hoyer, where he was like, look, I'm not paying attention to the results. Like, I'm working on something in particular out there. I'm not even throwing all my pitches. uh, So I don't care about the results. Like, I'm in my own head working on something. And I don't think he specified what that was exactly, uh, but that's for him to know and us to find out. And so... I don't care. Like, I'm out there doing my thing. I don't care. I I think Javi took him deep, uh, oppo, in one of those uh, live BP sessions. He's like, I don't care. I'm working on stuff. So always keep that stuff in mind. But the Cubs start the spring slate two and one. They've beaten the Athletics and the Mariners, and they lost to Mookie Betts and the Los Angeles Dodgers in his debut, though the Cubs did keep him contained, but for a sack fly. So, you know, I'm not sure I get all the hype, right? Tyler Chatwood got him out. Like, I don't I don't really know what the big deal is. Ace Tyler right. Chatwood, yes. Who we will be talking about. But, Brendan. We will. Uh, the first thing that I want to talk about, and, and this is something that was decided kind of surprisingly, I think, last week after we had spoken to you guys, and that is that Chris Bryant who, by the way, get this, is a member of the Chicago Cubs. He plays for the The Chicago Cubs. Cubs. yes, the Cubs, yes. He he is still a member of the Chicago Cubs. Uh, He is your leadoff hitter. And that kind of came out slowly that that manager David was bantying that idea around. And then kind of like through that one day, it was sort of just like, yeah, he's going to lead off. Chris is amenable to it. I like the idea. We're going to give that a go. So, Brendan, I, I want your first reaction to that. And and I think this one is, is interesting because obviously it involves one of, if not the Cubs best hitter, right? And it's a position that we have talked about and that has been a major issue for these Cubs teams since Dexter Fowler left. We have really not found a good solution to that. And so not only is it something that involves Chris Bryant, which I think anytime you're talking about changing something or, or moving someone of his caliber around it's it's worth talking about, but also in the in the context of this has been a, a, an Achilles heel, if you will, for these Cubs offenses in the last few years. And so how do you think Chris Bryant will fit into that role, and do you think that he is finally that solution to this kind of persisting problem? I look at this in two ways. The first way to look at this is Chris
0: Bryant, as a member of this team, probably makes the most sense right now, unless someone comes out of the you know woodworks, to be the leadoff guy. But in a vacuum, generally speaking, I don't want Chris Bryant leading off for any team. Again, that being said, the way the roster is constructed, it doesn't matter if Bryant's batting third or fourth if there's no one on base ahead of them to knock in these guys that's 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 the the issue that many people have is okay if you have chris bryant bat leadoff he will be batting with about you know 30 to 50 percent fewer chances to drive a run in that's an issue i think for for me but again the way the lineup is constructed right now you have chris bryant you have anthony rizzo you have javi Baez, willie schwarber hayward hap nico Bodie whoever, right? Having Chris Bryant to start the game off, given his on-base skills, that's going to work well when, you, when you're when you backed by Rizzo, when you're backed by Javi, when you're backed by Wilson, and then Schwarber. So despite Bryant not getting those chances, the other four possibilities are Rizzo, are Javi, are Willie, and Schwarber. They've had chances at leadoff, Rizzo's of course the greatest leadoff hitter of all time but the issue with Rizzo is that when he bats leadoff there's there's no one on base he's going to be hitting into the shift that's problematic same thing goes for Schwarber in addition to his issues batting leadoff previously Wilson does not have the on-base uh you know capability that KB has and Javi's a free swinger so of those guys Chris Bryant makes the most sense I would like eventually as the season goes along for someone to come up and take that spot, whether that's Ian Happ or whether that's Nico Horner, if he gets a chance, or maybe even Jason Hayward, if he has a full consistent stretch of offensive value. But I I, I like how it looks to start. I'm excited about it. And I'm excited about it because you have Kyle Schwarber, who appears to have been coming into his own at the season's end. If Schwarber can solidify that middle of the order... That's a tough front five, man. And when right. you have a pitcher starting the game, this is this is something that I'm most excited about. When you have a pitcher starting a game against a Chris Bryant, Chris Bryant does not see that many pitches inside the strike zone. What does that do for, a, for an opposing starting pitcher to have to pitch outside the zone from the very first pitch? What does that do to the next guy up, to the guy after that up? Does that kind of... Get the pitcher out of his zone a little bit, and that's something I think could have a trickle effect for the rest of the guys. So overall, I like it. In a perfect world, he would not be batting leadoff, but in this world for this Cubs team,
4: I agree. I think it makes the most sense right now. Right, I think that's that's really what it comes down to, and and that was kind of a lot of Manager David's. Response to it where it's basically like we can look at this a lot of different ways. It's, of course, a nuanced issue, just like anything else. But the too long didn't read version is we are going to put our best hitter at the top and give him the most plate appearances. There you go. That's the answer, right? and so from that perspective alone i like it it's it's been a big issue for this team and i was just looking uh at this tweet from uh tommy at full count tommy on twitter and this was last year so we had almora for 15 games he put up a 27 wrc plus in those 15 games Discalso for 12 a 62 wrc plus and hayward for 47 with a 47 wrc plus now hayward was You know, pretty good on the whole for the season. It it was a decent season for him offensively, Uh, but in that leadoff spot, he was it it dragged down his whole season. It would have been a really good season offensively for him had he not been put in that leadoff spot and kind of ridden there, even though it wasn't working. So you can't have that production. I mean, that's almost half a season with well, well below league average production from that leadoff spot, and that that is crippling for a lineup and it's and so i think that's really what it comes down to you are putting your best hitter there to get him the most played appearances we want chris bryant batting more than anybody else he like you know like you said brendan he he's got obviously has the on-base skills to do it he sees pitches he can run up those pitch counts if you need him to He's got speed, which I think is one of the most underrated aspects of this. And when you hear people, uh, guys like Harold Reynolds and stuff, like they're first of all, if Harold Reynolds and John Smoltz don't like the idea, which they both do not like Chris Bryant leading off, boy, do I love it even more. I feel so confident in this that those two people don't like it. But one of the things that I think they and others really overlook is Chris Bryant is really fast, as he will tell you. Yeah. And he is a really good base runner. And so I think that that is something that that gets overlooked a little bit. Like, this is somebody, like, if Chris can get on, even if it's a single or a walk, like, he can be over to third— on a base hit really easily, then you're, you know, maybe if Javi's in the three or Kyle's in the three or four, wherever, you know, you're you're already set up for a sack fly or something along those lines. And that's not always the case, you know, when uh Schwartz was up there, right? Like he's not the slowest person in the world, but he, you know, Chris Bryant's like a gazelle out there, man. And like so he's not your prototypical or like in the past, right? Like by the book, steal 60 bases, Juan Pierre style leadoff hitter but he's got speed and he has that that knack to go first to third like nobody's business and we've seen it throughout his career and that I think is something where you can really see and and it almost happened in the game on uh Monday uh I think the the ball that Javi hit went like just foul but KB took a walk to start the game Rizzo grounded out, got him to second, and boom, Javi's up with a runner in scoring position. And it's like you can see that working for this offense a lot. And if Javi's able to poke a single, Chris has the speed. He's scoring on a single, right? So I think a lot of this works. Like you said, Brendan, in an ideal world, you're able to keep him in that two hole or, or somewhere where he's been in years past and let him be more in that middle of the lineup, hope to drive in a little more yeah. runs, whatever. But. You, you don't have that. And I and I think manager David's thinking is we need to stop trying to find a solution that isn't one of these guys, right? We need to yeah. put these guys at the top. We need to, you know, stop trying to put band-aids there, or whatever. Like we just need someone that's going to hit at the top of the order and we can figure out the rest from there. And in that first game, uh, the, the, the first game of spring training on Saturday, in his second at bat, KB came up with Two runners in scoring position, he ripped a single to left field, and two runs scored. So obviously, you know, that's not going to be all the time. But one of the first concerns was, is he ever going to get RBI chances, whatever. And in the first game, he got an RBI chance in his second at bat, and he drove two runs in. So I I, I like it. I'm all for it. And I think the other thing to note, too, is we also both liked the logic when Schwabs was put there uh, in 2017. And I, I look back, and I still like that logic. But this is this is different, right? Chris Bryant, and this is no offense to Kyle Schwarber, of course, but KB is a one of the best and most complete hitters in the league. You're not asking him to really transition, or you're not expecting changing his approach at all is going to, like, ravage his numbers. Kyle, Kyle was a, yeah. a player in, like, what, his... First full season, right? Because he missed all of 2016. Like that was a big step for him, and he was not nearly as accomplished when asked to do this as Bryant is. So I, I think the the logic was good at that time, just as it is here. But, you know, don't get caught up in comparing those two guys, right, like moving someone who's not a prototypical leadoff hitter to the leadoff spot. Chris is a a very different player, and and this is a very different circumstance. So I'm all for this, Uh, and Manager David kind of hinting that it's going to be Brizzo at the top, and we'll see how the rest of the lineup kind of shakes out. And as they've all been saying, they interviewed Anthony Iaposi on marquee during the game on Monday, and he said the same thing that we've heard basically everybody they ask about this say. And that's you know, that's what you want an opposing pitcher to have to face. He's gonna have to start the game with Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo, probably Javi Baez after that. And that is a tough way to start the game. And that is what you want opposing pitchers to have to do. You want them to have to be good from the minute they get on the mound. No mistakes because otherwise you're going to put yourself in a hole. So, I'm all for this. It's it's looked good so far. And yeah, we'll 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 see how things go, but I think as as far as uh decisions go, I'm fully behind this one.
0: And it's going to be a decision that's not going to just stop. Like David Ross said, yes. manager right. David, I, I got to catch myself here. Manager David said he's not going to change the lineup consistently because he thinks for some guys that's not going to help them. And he used the word panic in changing the lineups consistently. So I think we can expect from day one for several weeks, maybe at the minimum, Chris Bryant will be your leadoff guy. And there's another aspect to Chris Bryant in the leadoff spot that's a little unknown, which I like. But the question that's always on my mind is, Is this going to change how pitchers pitch to Chris Bryant? And I bring that up because he's a unique player not only because of his power and because of all of his skills, but because pitchers pitch Chris Bryant very differently because Chris Bryant is a selectively aggressive hitter. If you look at his overall swing rate, the majority of swings are coming within the strike zone or at the edges. So in the strike zone, he swings at a pitch 76% of the time. That is almost 10 percentage points higher than league average. Someone who could have been a candidate that we both like. Kyle Schwarber. Schwarber swings at a pitch inside the strike zone 65% of the time, which is a lot. That's a huge difference when you consider how many strikes you see throughout this season. And why was that the case? Why does Chris Bryant swing at so many pitches inside the strike zone? Well, one, he's probably very good at hitting those pitches. And two, he doesn't see many pitches outside the zone in general. So will pitchers attack KB differently? because he's batting leadoff? And will that mean Chris Bryant's actually going to start hitting more because he's seeing more pitches in the strike zone? Or on the other hand, Corey, what if he's going to see this continuous flurry of pitches outside the strike zone? Will KB's walk rate go up? And in addition to that, because he's on base so much, what does that do for Rizzo? Will he have more opportunities without the shift because KB's on base? What does that do for Kyle Schwarber? Will he have more opportunities to hit with men off or on base as well? Because that's going to help him get more base hits, raise your Babbitt, because all do the Chris Bryant batting leadoff. And that's what I'm most interested in, is what will happen to Chris Bryant's game because of a potential shift in approach. And two, how does that affect Rizzo and how does that affect Schwarber, two guys who have been screwed the most, the most by shifts over the last
1: uh, couple of years here. There's great news during the pandemic.
4: putting the hopes for the offense and you're asking the load to be carried exactly as we've been kind of suggesting throughout this offseason since you didn't make any major additions like you're starting with Bryant you're going to have Rizzo, Baez, Schwarber, Contreras you know Hayward will be in there whatever order these guys are going in depending on the handedness and you're going to say we're going to start the lineup with you and we're going to need the offense to run through you. And that's what you want. And and that's something that, as we keep saying, has really hampered them in these past years, is that, you know, you've gotten big performances out of some of those guys, but you've had such iffy performance to, you know, putting it nicely from that leadoff spot. And so you're relying on someone like Almora or Hap or when Schwarber was there, Hayward was there, etc. You need those guys to succeed in that role so that that middle of the lineup has more of those opportunities. They're batting with less outs runners on base, et cetera. And now you're just sort of shifting everybody up and going like, look, we're going to put the load on our top guys. We're going to put it you know, at the top of the lineup and we're going to need our big guys, our big top talent to drive the offense. And that's how it should be. So I'm all for this. I think it looks good. Uh, But let's talk about other... First impressions. There, there's some stuff, uh, you know, certainly to dig into. And I think one of those things uh, that certainly stands out on this Monday is that Albert Almora has shown up uh, and has done nothing but hit in these yeah. first few Good games. So obviously, uh, it's only I believe four plate appearances. So let's, you know, we're not going to get carried away here. Uh, but he has a home run. He's gotten on base getting some hits, uh, and his swing looks noticeably different, and I'll let you kind of break that down mechanically, Brendan, but this is one of those things where, again, like it's literally been three spring training games, so no one is reading into anything, and I think you all know uh, I would be lying, like a bold-faced lie, if I tried to pretend that I never gave up on Albert Almora, uh, <laughs> because there are many hours of, of podcast audio that would refute that claim, uh, but as we've also said, and especially was true once they brought in guys like Justin Stone, kind of changing this whole hitting and organizational infrastructure as they have done this off season, we have said repeatedly that Albert is still a young guy, right? And if he can make changes, there's no reason he can't be a contributor in a specific role right? Most of the ire that was drawn to him and someone like Descalso, etc., was the way that Madden was using them, particularly putting them in the leadoff spot. And then thinking back to like the end of 2019, when Joe was talking about how they needed to get Al going against certain handedness of pitching and stuff like that, like while they're in the middle of losing the division, like that's really the problem where it's it's more of the context rather than just specifically the players. So again, it's only been a, a couple games, but the Cubs made the decision to keep Almora around, to, you know, tender him that contract and believe that he can make those changes. Uh, and, you know, I think it was Theo earlier in this offseason was pretty clear about that, like where he said, like, I've talked to Albert and I told him, like, you're going to need to change some things, like some things are going to need to change if you're going to have a certain role on this team. So I don't think anything is guaranteed. uh, But that'll be another one to watch throughout this Cactus League slate, like, because if he's able to make those adjustments, and he is able to put himself in a position where manager David can deploy him selectively and successfully, that would be, a big boost for this team and brendan the 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 bar is low right i mean like it's it's a it's a fact that he was and has been one of the worst hitters in the league uh and so the the bar is low and if he's able to overcome that especially to any significant degree that would be quite helpful for the chicago cubs team (laughs) and and the depth that we've talked about not really being there if they need to Al can go down to AAA and continue to work on these
0: changes that so far look pretty good. So what are those changes? One, his posture is more upright. So if we compare a video from last year, his very last at-bat to his very first at-bat, and in particular, his home run on Monday, you're going to see it right away. His posture is more upright. His hands are higher. His leg kick is not as pronounced. He's not inverting that front foot as much as he used to. And he's kind of on that backside in that load in a little bit more of an emphasis type fashion. So that's the change. And we saw so far, it looks good. You don't want to get too carried away with any type of spring training or even short term results. But if the player is saying he feels good with it and you're seeing a little bit of success, even in the short term, it's okay to be a little bit excited. And yeah, if he can be used in a selective role, that's insanely valuable. Let's look at 2017, for example. He had 320 plate appearances in 130 games. He produced a weighted on base average of 3.34, a WRC plus of 104, a wins above replacement total of over one. That is perfectly acceptable and something this team desperately needs as a death piece. So, don't want to get too excited yet. You want to see more and but it doesn't have to happen. Like That's that's the one thing I think is giving me a little bit of encouragement is even if he doesn't look ready by opening day, you have guys in place to at least allow Al to continue to adapt. You have Hayward that can play center field because now you have Steven Souza. You have Ian Happ, who's going to be a full-time uh, role, hopefully this year. And that's something we didn't have last year. And I think two Al's, I, I guess, hurt... He didn't. He was not able to develop because of it, and so, yes, I like what I've seen. Let's see a little bit more. The changes are noticeable. He's enthusiastic about it, and if he's enthusiastic about it. And the Cubs made a decision to bring him back for almost two million because they believe he can make these changes. And for now. I'm going to believe it, too. I'm going to go and be excited to see him actually go out there and successfully implement what he's being told to do differently. And so far, it looks pretty good.
4: Yeah, and something that I've seen a friend of the podcast, Matt Clapp, at the blog finds on Twitter, talk about a little bit is one thing to pay attention to too and and something that is going to be key for someone like Albert is it's it's about his plate discipline as well because you can make these mechanical yeah. changes you can make the physical changes uh, but he he needs to improve his approach at the plate a little bit as well obviously someone that does And
0: that, and that does happen though with like different postural changes like that's one thing that you know you talk to Chris Bryant's or you talk to those who work with them That's one of the intentions of becoming more upright or changing or widening your stance. So you can recognize those pitches. You're limiting some of your head movement. So yeah, the mechanics look different, but I I, I see some of that as well. And I still think those mechanical differences can allow you to
4: recognize pitches better. Yeah, absolutely. Because he's just one of those guys who he's a, a heavy average hitter, right? He needs to hit closer to 300 to reach to, that yeah. value because he really does not walk. So that's something you'll look for if he can be a little more patient, a little more selective at what he's swinging at and when that along with the mechanical chain, you know, you could really see something. Another thing to watch is going to be that defense, Uh, because obviously, I think, to the surprise of a lot of people, he rated pretty poorly. Uh, in 2019, on a lot of those defensive metrics, which has obviously uh, been somewhat of a cornerstone of his game, if you will, uh, and as you and I were talking about before we hopped on, Brennan made some some pretty uh, uncharacteristic and at the same time crucial errors in some of those games uh, down the stretch in 2019. You and I were talking about that game that that Darvish pitched against the Cardinals at Wrigley Field uh, late in that season, where he missed you know misjudged or didn't get to a ball uh, over his head in center field. And so that's another one. Like, you know, does he look any different in the field? Uh, is he able to kind of fit more of that description? Because, you know, obviously it's been some the, – the the narrative, storyline, whatever you want to say, with him since he came up that he's a really good defender and, and makes these crazy plays. And we've obviously seen that. Uh, but looking at those metrics from last year, it was pretty – like daunting to be like okay like he they really did not like him very much uh so that's something too because again like you're not talking about a guy that needs to play center field every day or needs to you know get 600 plate appearances or anything like that but if he can be better on defense and improve at the plate obviously that's what you need. That's what we're looking for. You're not necessarily looking for that everyday answer. You're looking for that depth. Guys, someone that Ian Happ can platoon with or that can spell Jason Hayward at times, etc. Like That is all you're really asking is, can he be a contributing depth piece of, on this team that David Ross can use selectively. Manager
0: David, Corey. Manager well, I David.
4: feel, so obviously we've talked about this, but I feel like we're going to end up saying Manager David a thousand times during the podcast. So I was just that's trying to state. mix it up, you know? All right. That's but I, hey, look, I, I'm more than happy to just say Manager David, but I feel like if you cut up the audio, Manager David, Manager David, Manager David. <laughs> uh, but... That's that's really what you're going for. So that's something to watch. Again, though, it's been three spring training games, and we've seen some of these guys. I think Albert, in particular, uh, is one who can have a really hot spring, and sometimes it just doesn't translate. But we do have, as Brendan was kind of detailing there, something to really look for. Pay attention to how his mechanics look at the plate, how his swing looks. Pay attention to that plate discipline and how he's looking in the field and we may be able to get an idea of, okay, like maybe it is Albert Almora revenge season after all. As I said to start, I would be lying if I was super optimistic. And you guys all know that I've yelled about this. Discalso was probably the leader of my anger in 2019. Uh, But Almora was probably a close second. So you know again like I, I don't want anybody to think like oh Corey and Brennan are big Elmora fan. like no like it's a few spring training games we're just pointing out I mean, there were some expletives preceding yes. Elmora's name at some point just last something year. Multiple to multiple be points, hopeful actually. for something to watch for and you know as we're looking for things that can improve on those margins from 2019 that would be a really helpful one if Al is able to do this and as we always point out when we discuss him he's one of those guys you root for right obviously that incident in Houston uh, is something that stands out, but everything we've ever seen from him, he just seems like a really nice guy. He was miked up on marquee uh, on Monday afternoon and was just very wholesome, nice, just seems like a very good guy and one that is easy to root for uh, to not be the worst hitter in the league. I think that's a, a pretty easy way of putting that. But Brendan, I, I want to throw it to you now to discuss any of these kind of like fringe pitchers uh we've been talking a lot in this off season about the bullpen competition and through just a few spring training games here boy is that on in earnest we are seeing a lot of these guys obviously the starters not really fully stretched out yet so most guys only going an inning so it's allowing for tommy hadovee to get pretty much everybody in there uh you, you know you're seeing a lot of different names a lot of different stuff Anybody stand out to you in these first few games? And again, like you're you're not looking at the results necessarily. Rowan Wick got lit up on Monday against the Mariners, uh, but we're obviously still gonna be slotting him in for a very big role in that bullpen. So results not necessarily withstanding. Anybody where you've been obviously interested in them from this offseason when they joined the fold and now being able to see them obviously having done a little bit of work with Tommy Hadovy so far anybody really standing out for you that for the rest of this Cactus League slate you're going to make sure you're watching when this guy comes into the game oh my gosh there's there's so many names I feel like we could spend the entire hour talking about this but
0: of all the guys I watched I think the one that stood out the most to me was Jason Adam Corey He And he wasn't really on my radar, honestly, until I saw him pitching that first game. So Jason Adam comes out of the bullpen. And by the way, he used to be a position player. So pitching is somewhat new to him. And he comes out of the bullpen. And he's throwing, almost looking like Rowan Wick, a relatively short arm stroke, and he's throwing in changeups, curveballs, four seamers. But his change and curve caught my attention. Those those are pretty nasty. And Jason Adam has been one of those high spin rate type guys who just hasn't translated his talents to success. So he's one that really caught my attention. But other pitchers as well. I mean, I thought Tyler Chatwood looked good in his first inning. Confidence is obviously there. He's talking up a storm. Dakota Meeks looked pretty good. He's throwing 96, which is an uptick in velocity for him compared to last year. We had Dan Winkler, Ryan Tapera. Both had two strikeouts in their most recent performance. Manny Rodriguez, again, I would put him up there as among the guys I'm most excited to watch. Manny Re- uh, Rodriguez is a 23-year-old guy who will be starting in A this year. Just got a 40-man roster spot. So that means the Cubs do not at all want to lose this guy. This guy is someone who throws 95 to the upper 90s with hard, Tailing action, hard tailing action. Go look it up. And so I thought he looked pretty good in his one inning of action in Monday's game. And then the last one who I was impressed with was James Norwood. I've talked a lot about James Norwood, at least blogging about it. This is someone who has an unorthodox release point. He stands a little bit further to the third base side and then he comes across his front side. thrown across his body. But he's someone who has a splitter with spin rate that is among the top 75% for splitters. That's going to be, uh, you don't want that much spin rate. So that's good to see. So he's actually in among those 75% without that much spin for his splitter. And James Norwood throws 100 miles per hour. So why? Why? he's not been able to succeed with those two pitches is beyond me, but he looked good. I hope the Cubs can utilize some of the new data to get him on track to utilize and optimize some of his pitches. But the list goes on, Corey. We have Alec Mills. We have Scott Efros. We have Albert Alzolay, We have Dwayne Underwood Jr. So many guys to talk about. And that shows, at least to me, the possibility for this bullpen to come out with a really highly valuable deep end, it's it's not that crazy to think about, especially when you consider Kyle Ryan and Rowan Wick and getting uh, Kimbrell back and having someone like Jason Adam come into the mix or Scott Efros with that new release point. It's not crazy
4: and really easy to be excited about. Yeah, it's, it's been interesting to watch, and it's it's going to be pretty fascinating going forward. You you know, it's it's quite the competition, and you know, really some open spots for these guys to fill. Um, I, I do want to talk about Chatwood a little bit. Uh, we we'll, we'll Keep keeping an eye on a lot of these bullpen guys. Uh, you know, we've only seen most of them really once so far. So obviously something to keep an eye on, but some, some very interesting names and stuff out there. But I do want to talk about Chatwood, uh, because as we've talked about, and Tommy Hotovy alluded to, uh, he is kind of the front runner to be the fifth starter for this team. Uh, and he started against the Dodgers on Sunday and only pitched an inning, uh, Uh, But we've heard a lot of confidence around him. And, you know, again, that's one of those things where I don't expect people to go, eh, you know, he looks kind of sucky. I'm not really that that (laughs) confident in it. Of course not. But... Th- there's been a lot of, of good talk, I, th- I think, about Tyler Chatwood. And I think even like Rick Sutcliffe, who's, you know, part of the marquee team, was talking about how that was the most impressive person that he watched in spring training was Tyler Chatwood so far. Uh, and Chatwood seems very, very confident. And, and I think this was something that Tommy Hodovey was talking about when he was interviewed during one of these games. Uh, and I, I just want to read this quote from Chatwood here after the game on Sunday and he said quote I think there's still a lot of untapped potential right now I feel like this is the best I've ever been I'm able to set up pitches I'm able to see stuff I have confidence that if I miss come back with a breaking ball so I feel really good like I've said I'm very excited to get going again same thing like obviously I don't expect Tyler to say I feel terrible and I have no idea where the ball is going but he's obviously, and and this was true even in most of 2019. Like he's obviously a different person than that first season with the Cubs. He's obviously overcome what was a disastrous start to his Cubs career. But he he's made improvements. He was really good a lot coming out of the bullpen in that kind of swingman role. And the confidence is there, and, and he 's one of those guys where we we talked about it the minute they signed him and and all that time you know trying to be hopeful when it was really bad in that in that first season there there is a lot to like there, and especially for someone that you 're only really asking to be a back of the rotation guy like he mentioned, there is so much potential there and there is so much to like. And he kind of, as we've seen a lot in his time with the Cubs and in sort of a trademark fashion, little bit of trouble against that that Dodgers offense, which was a, a very good lineup. I, I do want to clarify that. The Dodgers were not throwing Tyler Chatwood uh, a, a, a B-League lineup. That was, uh, you know, Mookie Betts' debut. Uh, so it was, you know, A a legit lineup. Uh, And he got a double play to get out of the inning. So, you know, kind of pretty trademark Tyler Chatwood stuff that even when he's in a little bit of trouble, he's got that ability to uh, kind of summon the double play ball pretty easily. So I'm looking forward to continuing to watch him because I I think if he is able to get that command and those mechanics tight, he is a really, really interesting uh, person for this rotation. And, and it's a rotation that, you know, I think is maybe one of, if not the, the biggest areas of concern for this team, perhaps, depending on who you talk yeah, to. Sure. And I, I think that him being good, you know, not nece- you know, not winning the Cy Young or anything crazy, but just him being a reliable option to go every fifth day. He's got the velo, he's got the spin, but you know, again, similar to to Al Mora, and and that's, that's, I think, where a lot of the focus in this spring training is going to go. Like, we know what to expect from someone like Chris Bryant, someone like Anthony Rizzo, Javi Baez, etc. Like, where this season really feels like it may be won or lost is either A, the aforementioned guys just going nuts, right? And, you know, two of them being MVP candidates or something like that or some of these minor guys really stepping up and filling in those cracks and and just taking their game to the next level to provide that depth that we were hoping the front office was going to address. But they preached and preached and preached that the in-house guys were good options and that they were hoping for some of that, uh, you know, those positive steps. And Chatwood is one of those guys where if he can be dialed in, that would be huge this team.
0: But if he's not the fifth starter, the Cubs do have other possibilities. I mean, you look at Alec Mills, for example, maybe Colin Ray down in AAA, maybe Al's alive. He gets to strength, his stamina up. So even if Chatwood doesn't succeed, there's still a possibility for the rotation to be filled a little bit. But like Chatwood doesn't even have to be a guy with an ERA under four. Doesn't have to be a Cy Young award winner as you alluded to. Last year John Lester had a four point three fit, but because the league is so weird right now, that was worth three wins above replacement. So the 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 complete environment is different. You don't have to be this lockdown sub-4, sub-3.5 ERA type guy. If you are even league average, and last year, that was a FIP of 4.5. If you are even a 4.5 FIP guy out of your fifth rotation spot, that is worth over two wins Corey and that's something I think is well within the possibility for chatwood if he gets that command in place but with chatwood I feel like it's all or nothing if he does get the command in place it's it's game over we're not talking about a four fit we're not talking about a 4.5 fit we're talking about numbers that are exceptional because with him it's been okay either your command is there or you're walking 10 guys a game there's nowhere in between and last year out of the bullpen he was able, by year's end, to kind of own in on that command and have some consistent stretches. But early on, his command from game to game was hit or miss, which is why I don't think Joe trusted him around July and August. So that's that's where I am with Chatwood, is I don't think we're going to get somewhere in between good and bad Chatwood. I think if we're going to get something that's valuable from Chatwood, we're talking about numbers That are under a four ERA, under a four fifth, maybe even better. And that's going to be directly because of his command because we know this stuff is phenomenal. And we know the changes he made last year going away from his cutter back to his sinker that spiked his whiff rate for his sinker. It spiked his whiff rate from his curveball because of those two pitches are the two pitches he tunnels the best, right? So I think at the worst, A 4.5 FIP would be insanely uh, valuable for Chatwood, but I think he'll be better than that if the command comes in place. And I take the same approach as I do with Amora. I'm not going to expect it. I don't think the Cubs necessarily need it, but I am excited about it. I am optimistic about it based on what's being said, based on what the coaches are saying. But you still need to see it more. You need to see it for the entire spring. You need to see it for starts in once the actual season begins. But we'll see. I'm excited about it. I will be following it. And I think right now, you should be excited about. This is spring training. This is something to follow. You're seeing tangible differences. You're seeing some success as well. It's hard not to be a little bit curious and optimistic about these pieces coming together.
2: Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Xfinity X1 gives you the most complete entertainment experience with everything from live TV to your DVR to on-demand favorites and your streaming apps. Just use your voice remote to easily find what you want to watch. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required.
1: It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, Grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy.
4: Yeah, absolutely. So I want to look a little bit at some of the other names and where they are at, some things you can expect going forward here, and then maybe we'll talk a little bit about the debut of the Marquee Network and some of the stuff that they did on there. So uh, as I said, John Lester, if you guys are listening to this on Tuesday morning, we will be pitching today. Uh, as with anything this obviously includes the caveat that if the you know there's rain or something or the flu is going around if you're listening to this on delay things can always change card is subject to change uh, but as of right now John Lester is scheduled to go on Tuesday make his debut Kyle Hendricks will make his debut on Wednesday you darvish who has been doing a lot of live BP is scheduled to make his debut on Saturday so you can kind of keep those things in line Jose Quintana likes like, like I said, is dealing with the flu. So uh, we're still kind of... He, I believe, was supposed to throw live BP on Monday. So we are still kind of waiting to see what schedule he is going to be on. Uh, That's one of those things. I think Lennon J.D., Brendan, talked about it on the broadcast on Monday. You hope that doesn't linger for too long uh, because especially for a starter, you know, you're trying to get him up to that strength. You know, you don't want him down for too long so that then he has to spend a week or whatever just kind of getting back uh, in shape or in strength. But hopefully... Jose feels better, and he can, you know, get back onto his regularly scheduled programming. For Craig Kimbrell, I do just want to point this out just in case you are looking for him. I don't think we're going to see him necessarily that much in the Cactus League games, and Tommy Haddavy talked about this, uh, and this one coming from Jordan Bastion uh, on Twitter at MLBastion. He said, Hadavi said the target is about eight outings versus hitters. They have worked backwards from opening day to map out the schedule for Craig. And Hadavi said, quote, We have a lot of guys fighting for spots in the bullpen that we have to get innings with early. Kimbrel's not one of those guys. So it's basically just to say... Craig Kimbrell's kind of doing his own thing, right? And Jordan clarified multiple times like that that shouldn't necessarily alarm you. There's nothing secretive going on here, but they know they need to get Craig ready and they're going to do that how they want to do it. They're not necessarily concerned about how many Cactus League games Craig Kimbrell is pitching in. Uh, They have a lot of other guys that they need to see, want to see in different matchups, etc. And they're going to let Craig do his thing and they'll have him ready for opening day. That was my read on the situation, but I just wanted to point that out in case we don't see him that often in these spring training games. It uh, shouldn't necessarily send up any alarms. Uh, they have a very specific plan for him. They know where he needs to be by opening day. They know how important he is to this team and it sounds like they've got it under control. So I will uh, trust them on that uh unfortunately we did get our first brandon morrow setback uh of the spring he's dealing with something with his collarbone uh doesn't sound major but as we've said a million times like you should not expect anything out of that situation uh if they are able to get him healthy and ready at some point during this season would be a huge boost uh because he is lights out when he is healthy um And that's just kind of how it is. I mean, that's just kind of how it's been for the past while here, where we'll believe it when he's on the mound pitching for the Cubs in a game and healthy, um, and we're rooting for him uh, as a person and as a member of this team. But it's uh, been a rocky road for Brandon, and it's uh, unfortunate that, you know, when these tweets come across, I think this was a couple days ago, uh, that this, you know, kind of minor setback came out. Um, You know, you're just not really surprised. And it's just kind of like, yeah, that's kind of par for the course at this point. So again, I I don't think anybody in this Cubs organization is counting on anything from him in particular. Uh, That's why he's on the contract that he is on, but that's that's just where that situation is at. So we'll we'll just have to keep an eye on it uh, and see what distance he's throwing from or something like that when we get the next update. But I would maybe divert your attention to some of the names that Brendan was listing off before uh, and see how they do in these games. And maybe they can make up part of this bullpen. I would not be hinging your hopes uh, at all on Brandon Morrow because it's just, uh, it's been a tough go for him. So uh, hopefully he can get that straightened out. And this, this sounds like a minor thing, but you know, this is kind of how those things start, right? They start minor. They set you back a little bit. Then you try to get back out there. And, you know, so we'll see. We've seen this movie before. I hope the ending is different this time. Uh, But Brendan, I did want to ask you, uh, I know you were able to watch, I think, at least a couple of these first three games. uh, General Impressions of the Marquee Network Broadcast Experience. They officially launched on Saturday doing their first game. I've been able to watch all three of these games on the Marquee Network, and I have been—I've—I've uh, re- I've really enjoyed it. And I—and I think in particular, uh, before I throw it to you, their footage that they've been getting from just the workouts and in the clubhouse they they had you know some footage airing of Ross you know when he was hired and introduced you know going through the front office and uh, going into the dugout and talking about you know how much it meant to him. Uh, we've seen some, some good conversations and some kind of intimate stuff from these backfield workouts and bullpen sessions and stuff like that and I think the real winner here and not that it's necessarily anything novel but I, I don't believe something that we had seen on the networks in the past uh is getting these guys mic'd up and during the games we've seen anthony rizzo mic'd up we've seen albert almora mic'd up uh kyle schwarber was on sunday and that has been pretty fun. The, the Rizzo thing, and, you know, of course, it's only a, a certain number of clips that they share. And I would imagine that maybe there's some stuff that they can't quite put on air. Uh, but Rizzo was great in in that, that mic'd up thing and, and something that I hope we get more of going forward. Uh, he caught a hot liner, like, on, I, I think it might have been the first batter of spring training, and, you know, just turns to, I think it was Kipnis, and it's like, whoa, okay, like, maybe I'm only going to play one inning tonight. Like, I think that's, <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's good. enough for me. He was also lamenting to Kipnis and Chris Bryant that he got a 3-0 slider, in his first uh in the first game of spring training and he was, you know, just kind of like, "Come on. Like, well, you know, what are you doing that to me for? It's the first game of spring training. Come on." Uh right. so right. that has been really cool. So I think uh from my end, you know, the the viewing experience has been good and I think more than anything, and, and this is something that uh, Len was talking about a lot, I think in his interview with Crane Kenny during one of these games, uh, that the access th- this network belonging to the Cubs and being only about the Cubs is going to provide to the fans uh, is, is something that I'm looking forward to. It, it does seem like they are going to be able to give us unprecedented access to these guys and to their conversations and to the inner workings of the organization that I think should lead to some really cool content and I know
0: look you and I are on the west coast we are a little bit out of tune with the exact carrier issues within Chicago, but you want to see that get worked out. So I know a lot of people are really heated up because they can't watch the network and it's, it is ridiculous. Like if you're a Cubs fan in Chicago, you should be able to watch your team and I'll direct a lot of the updates and what to expect to Evan Altman's post on cubsinsider.com. He's been exhaustively covering that. He was on Ivy Envy, their podcast talking about it. So, It sounds as if some of the things are being ironed out, but hopefully a lot of you guys in Chicago who are not able to see it will be able to watch what I think is a pretty good product so far. So like you, I was really excited to hear a lot of the players mic'd up. You have Rizzo, you have Amora, you have the in-game interviews with Hadavi and Iaposi, and those have been phenomenal. And Mark Grace, Corey joining the booth was fun. I thought it added some flavor uh, to Lennon JD's broadcast. Not that they have no flavor at all, but Mark Grace is a very charismatic baseball personality, and at least for. For me, you know, I have friends and my brother who grew up during those teams, those 90s teams. And Mark Grace, for a lot of people, that was their dude, that was their favorite player. And Grace. Doing the the Diamondback games for so many years, I was able to watch him on air for several years. Pretty cool to see. And I thought he added a lot of insight in addition to his overall personality that we'll see during the broadcasts this year. You know, he's only slotted in, I think, for five or so appearances for the in game booth. So we'll see, you know, if that increases. But overall, I liked it, man. I thought the production was pretty clean too for having your first game. Uh, I know it's spring training, but overall, the product Corey looked pretty good. I just hope, and I, I really do pray that a lot of the guys in Chicago and you're you're able to watch this come opening day because that has long lasting effects to the franchise. If so many people cannot watch this team, and given the history of WGN across the country going from like the league leader in accessibility to this is not acceptable so hopefully they figure that out so so many of you can watch what i think again is a pretty
4: good product so it 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 all does beg the question brendan we've seen a few of these guys but if you could pick one player or i guess staff member i think they can do staff members too i'm sure to be mic'd up that we have not seen, or if it's one of the guys we have seen, to you know maybe hear more extensively from. Who are you picking? <laughs> Wilson Contreras, not don't even have to think
0: about it. Imagine Willie, he We've would blow, he would blow Cubs out Con. the mic within the first like that's five what minutes. I'm saying. He's just Corey. screaming. The that's whole what I'm game. saying. Well, screaming, but like he's seen <laughs> yeah. on stage in Cubs Con. I want to see him. Like magic. Corey, imagine this: you have John Lester, you have Wilson Contreras on a mound visit. And there's been times, even Willie has said, like, they curse at one another during their mountain visits. And so that would be probably the best Cubs content we've gotten over the last few years, having Willie mic'd up talking to John Lester. So that would be my obvious pick.
4: That's uh, a good one. Yeah. I mean, mine is Lester. I mean, obviously. I mean, I, I asked the question, basically, so that I could just say that. <laughs> uh, I think you all knew that. Uh, but man, and I've been saying this, I, I think my if you looked at my tweet record, it would confirm this. I've been saying this for years, but I would kill for the audio of John when he gets squeezed by the umpire. Not that I want him to get squeezed. I'd rather he not get squeezed on the edges by the umpire, but he just looks so mad. And when he puts the glove over his mouth, when he's walking off the mound after an inning where they've been screwing around on him, I would kill to hear what he is muttering. To himself, <laughs> under his breath, or what he 's saying in the dugout, I, I, I am readily aware that most of it i 'm sure would not be able to be aired. It would just be one constant you bleep can bleep button it out. or just silence as the you know the programmer is shaking their head, trying to figure out how much the FCC is going to find them for this even making the air but I, I want it. I really want it. Uh, if if, if Marquis wanted to put out like a premium package where we could get the unedited versions of these, I would definitely pay for it because uh, that would be, I think, really, really good. I think KB would be pretty funny uh, just because I assume he's out there going like, oh, gosh, you know, oh, golly. Yeah, strike one. Oh, dang it. right, <laughs> Oh, gosh, Anthony, what a play. Stuff like that. Um, I would like to hear that. Uh, I think Hendricks might be funny just because he might not say anything the entire game. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. He's not going to yeah, say anything. Like Almore, Al- the aforementioned Almora makes a diving catch and Hendricks is like, oh, nice. Great. Yeah. Right, just so walking off the mound, not saying. Yeah, <laughs> I I think that that would be uh pretty funny. I think there's there's some good options for that. Uh, John would be my predominant pick. I do I do think Ian Hap is probably like sneaky funny. I don't know if he talks to himself during the game, uh, but I think that just kind of like dry sarcastic humor that he seems to have that's been on a little bit more of display in this particular off season. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think would would probably be pretty funny. I, I think uh you know thinking about like what Rizzo. Even just Rizzo, you know, talking about that hotliner or getting the 3 0 slider. Like, I think that kind of stuff coming from Ian Happ would would be pretty funny. Uh, But who knows? Uh, We've already gotten three in these first few games, so it'll be interesting to see who we get next. I think, obviously, I I don't know if manager David will do it because he's the manager now and, like, you know, is making decisions, but him in there would be great uh, if we can get him and mic'd up when it's time for Lester to come out of the game. I know Lester said that that's not going to be a thing, and it's probably not, but it's still funny to think about. Uh, so yeah, all told, uh, it's been a good first weekend, and man, I, I mean this so sincerely. It is so good to have Chicago Cubs baseball on Every day, it's really hard to explain, and I'm sure most, if not all, of you feel exactly the same way. Uh, it's just a, it's it's like we live two completely different lives uh, in the off season and then when the Cubs are actually playing, because this just dominates our entire life. And I like it that way. Uh, this is my preferred life and and how I like to go about things. Uh, so it's just so good to have that presence back. It's good to hear Len's voice again. It's good to see the boys out there. There, playing baseball, interacting with each other, doing their thing. I mean, I I, I was getting so excited uh, just watching Anthony Rizzo field like a grounder at first base uh, just because I miss it. I just miss seeing those little things. And the only thing that we're really missing, uh, Brendan, and I, I, I don't have an exact date for when this is going to happen uh, because he's a legend and can show up whenever he pleases. Uh, the only thing we are waiting for is Patrick Hughes to rejoin us, and then the world is really in—it's all right with the world. Things are suddenly feel okay for this big, crazy world when we hear Pat Hughes' voice once again. So uh, hopefully that is soon, uh, but like I said, the man is a legend and can show up whenever he wants, for all I care. But that is about that. Uh, Brendan and I are probably, we're, we're soon going to be doing two episodes a week. Uh, we'll keep you guys posted, uh, but it's, it's it's about that time. So we'll keep you guys posted, but don't be surprised if uh, pretty shortly here you start seeing more episodes from us. Uh, we want to talk about the Cubs. I think you guys want to hear about the Cubs. And so we are ready to go. So I don't have an exact timeline for you but don't be surprised if that drops uh whenever so uh that is the timeline from us uh hopefully we all enjoy John Lester pitching if you guys are listening to this on Tuesday morning later this afternoon uh and that is about that so hopefully you guys have enjoyed these first few games and our strapped in uh for this cactus league slate uh because that is the unofficial slogan unofficial official slogan of the chicago cubs where stories play you know meh right very meh on that uh chris bryant said he was ready to strap it on and that's the new one yeah listen uh if chris bryant says we're strapping it on brendan we're strapping strapping it it on on. so that is the 2020 Cubs slogan hashtag strap it on boys uh but that's what we got for you we will uh keep an eye on everything going on obviously uh like i said we're we're gonna get back to two episodes a week here soon uh the, the same caveat always goes, though. If something massive happens, some major news, we will, you know, do an emergency show with one or both of us or somebody uh, and keep you guys up to date with that. As always, we appreciate you listening to the Cubs Related Podcast. If you have not and can leave us a five-star review and a comment, we would most appreciate it. Uh, sometimes people leave not-so-nice reviews uh, that, you know, I, I, I think don't come from people like you who have been listening for a long time and are loyal listeners. Listeners of the show, so if you have not done that, we would really appreciate it to uh, drown some of those out because uh, we don't like those. Uh, but either way, we appreciate you guys listening to us every week. We appreciate your interaction on Twitter, and we will talk to you guys again soon. And we always end by saying, "Go Cubs!"
1: It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice cold Coca Cola in your hand. Ready to get back to work this summer? Start a great job at UPS right away. Drive for UPS in your own car or enjoy active work keeping packages moving in the warehouse as a UPSer in Dulles. Earn $21 per hour as a driver, $14 per hour in the warehouse. Apply today to be a warehouse worker or personal vehicle driver at UPS. Search and apply now at upsjobs.com slash summer. That's upsjobs.com slash summer.